Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary issues that drive health outcomes. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices. This edition of the series is about the article, Frequency and Description of Drug Interaction Screening Within SWOG Clinical Trials. SWOG is an acronym for a particular clinical trial network. First up is the lead author, Dr. Daniel Hertz, Assistant Professor, University of Michigan College of Pharmacy. After my discussion with Dr. Hertz, I'll be speaking briefly with Dr. Susan Gooden, who is Professor of Medicine, Division of Medical Oncology, Robert Wood Johnson Medical School at Rutgers University. Dr. Gooden has written an editorial that accompanies the article. Dan, the literature you cite in your paper suggests that drug interactions in oncology patients have been the subject of substantial research and discussion in recent years. What are the main unresolved issues here related to oncology clinical trials? Yes. Yeah, so there is substantial literature in oncology patients currently on treatment, but there's actually relatively little known about patients who are being considered for clinical trials. So the focus of our research was really to dig into what kind of screening is being conducted in those patients that are being screened for enrollment onto a clinical trial. And prior to our study, there was really very little research that had been conducted and little known about what screening is being conducted, who is conducting it, and what the results of that screening is. Sure. Well, uh, is there anything you can say about the extent to which uh, the risk of drug interaction precludes cancer patients from enrolling in oncology trials? Yes. Yeah, so actually, there has been a little bit of work done there. There have been some studies looking specifically in patients who are being screened for phase one clinical trials. So these are patients that are uh, on a lot of polypharmacy and have multiple medical conditions and are really being screened for um, experimental medications. And what those studies have shown, and again, there are very few of them, but what they've seen overall is that even though you find high rates of potential drug interactions, a standard process for going through those drug interactions and attempting to resolve them can resolve the vast majority of them. So less than 5% of patients actually have to be excluded from a clinical trial due to drug interactions. So really the concern is that drug interactions that are uh, prevalent are not being picked up when they are being picked up, they can usually be resolved. Okay. So I'm curious, in the typical clinical trial of an anti-cancer medication, to what extent does adequate information exist about drug interactions? So there's sort of two issues there. The first is that for the experimental medications that are not currently approved by the FDA, say, there's very little drug interaction information. So the sponsor, the pharmaceutical company, will know what those interaction pathways are, and that will, in some ways, make its way into the protocol. But there's nothing publicly available in terms of drug interaction resources or even the pharmacists or anyone who would already know what those pathways are. So you need to go into the protocol for those. On the other side, for medications that are approved, those tend to be found within drug information resources, and there's a lot of information out there from the package insert, from 
the, any of the companies that provide drug interaction screening tools. So on that side, it's much easier. Getting back right. to the situation where you have to rely on the protocol, we've actually found this was sort of the starting place for this project was that there's no systematic or uniform way of putting the information into the protocols. So that's another complexity of this is that the drug interaction information in the protocols can be found in different places using different wording. And it's not easy in that case to know what information you're looking for or where to find it. Well, uh, just setting aside uh, the issue of where the information is uh, located in a protocol, typically do research protocols say anything about who should be handling uh, drug interaction screening? No, I'm, I'm not aware of any protocols that specify who should be conducting the drug interaction screening. I believe always, to my knowledge, in the trial protocol that drug interaction screening should be conducted, at least for the vast majority of drugs that do have potential interactions, but I'm not aware of any protocols, again, where it's specified that a certain individual should be conducting that screening or how it should be conducted, using what resources, et cetera. Well, with all of this as background then, Dan, um, can you say for listeners, uh, what was the objective of the survey that you report in this article? I work with SWAG, which was formerly known as the Southwest Oncology Group, which is one of the NCI's National Clinical Trial Network cooperative groups. So these Cooperative group networks are networks of cancer organizations, hospitals, et cetera, that work together to develop protocols and test medications in clinical trials. So through the NCTN network, there are three main cooperative groups, and SWAG is one that I do a lot of work with. Within SWAG on the Pharmaceutical Sciences Committee, we started to realize that there wasn't a lot of uniformity in the drug interaction screening process. And the purpose of our study was to survey SWAG sites and find out how is drug interaction screening for clinical trial enrollment being conducted, who is conducting it, what resources are available. So we could start to think about ways to make this process more systematic and uniform. Mm -hmm. Well, given that then, uh, what were your key findings relating to drug interaction screening of patients uh, who are under consideration for uh, an oncology trial? Our findings were very interesting. We actually found that about half of the SWOG sites were reporting that clinical trial patients who are being screened for enrollment are only being screened for drug interactions if there's a drug interaction included in the exclusion criteria. And that's actually not that common. So in most cases, the drug interaction information will be included in some warnings and will say, if a patient is on this concomitant medication or this class of medications, this patient should be enrolled with caution or should be an alternative should be considered. For all those cases where there is not drug interaction included in the exclusion criteria, drug interactions are not being screened at all. So again, that's about half the sites that, that said that that was their policy. That was mm -hmm. our biggest and sort of most troubling finding. Yeah. The other thing that we found very interesting was that in the vast majority of cases, it is not a pharmacist that's conducting this drug interaction screening. Most of the mm -hmm. drug interaction screening is actually conducted by a data manager or a study coordinator or a research coordinator or a research associate. And those individuals have a variety of backgrounds, not all of which have medical backgrounds or medical training. And that was one of the other findings that we thought was really critical because there have been some recent editorials saying that 
essentially every patient enrolling on a clinical trial should undergo a comprehensive drug interaction screen conducted by a pharmacist. And that's just not the current status by any means. That, that's not the, the current process in use. Lastly, we found that even if we were to say across our SWOG centers that everyone should be screened by a pharmacist, there are a subset of our centers, approximately 5% in based on our survey, that don't have access to any pharmacist. So that really wouldn't be an option for them. What about screening for a drug interaction when there's a medication change uh, for an enrolled patient? That's actually a, a different scenario, and we are expecting to find very different results. But what we found is that the results for screening at enrollment are pretty similar to what happens to a patient who's currently on treatment. Patients who are currently on treatment, the screening tends to be done a little bit more by a PI or an MD, and there is a little bit more pharmacist involvement because as medications are changed, pharmacist typically is screening those. But in terms of how often that screening occurs, we got pretty similar results when comparing the screening at enrollment to the screening in patients currently on treatment. Okay. Well, is there anything known from the literature about the ability of individuals such as research coordinators, nurses, physicians, of course, uh, to screen for potential drug interactions? Yeah. As I said earlier, I think really the ideal person to be performing this type of screening is the pharmacist, as they are the content experts when it comes to medication and are most knowledgeable about drug interactions and where that information would be. There have been some studies in physicians and nurses. What I can say about the nurses is that overall, nurses self-report less knowledge about drug interaction information and less comfort with that information and less of a, of a feeling of, of adequate knowledge and expertise in that area. I am not familiar with any information regarding the ability of research coordinators who are not nurses and do not have prior medical training. What I can say is that we have talked to some of the research coordinators or data managers that conduct some screening, and they are not very aware of what the resources are or what, what this process could look like. So a lot of times they tell us that they essentially Google different medications that patients are on to see if they can find information suggesting that this might interact with the study agent of interest. Dan, uh, from your perspective, uh, any additional things you'd like to say about concerns raised by your findings here? Yeah, so I've touched on these a little bit before, but I think the major concerns are that drug interaction screening is not happening for a lot of patients at, during screening for clinical trial enrollment. It's just, it's not occurring across the board. So any interactions, any potential interactions in the, the medications that the patients are on at enrollment are not being picked up unless they're a defined exclusion criteria for the, for the clinical trial. And I think that's concerning both in terms of patient safety, because these could be dangerous interactions. Also, it's concerning because these interactions could cause the study agent to be ineffective. And a third concern that's very specific to screening in clinical trial enrollment is that the results of the studies that we're getting that are supposed to be our best evidence of the efficacy and safety of our study agents are possibly being invalidated by these drug interactions. And that's another very concerning feature, at least from the perspective of SWOG and our group. If there was a, another concern, it would be that 
in the patients who are being screened, the screening is not occurring by the individuals with the resources who would who are best trained and uh, are probably the ideal person to to be conducting the screening. So again, the um, proportion of sites that said that pharmacists are always doing the screening or are always involved was relatively low, and the screening is actually being conducted by people with variable training and sometimes no medical training, and without the tools and resources and knowledge, in all cases, necessary to do an effective job. Right, right. Well, those uh, certainly are important concerns, Dan. Uh, I, again, from your perspective, what are your thoughts about what ought, what ought to be done about this to, uh, to correct these uh, concerns, these deficiencies? Yeah, I think that there are two possible ways to go. One is the possibility that we just make it a policy that pharmacists are conducting the screening across the board, and we'd have to figure out where are the resources, where are the individuals, and, and how would we go about doing that. I think that would be the ideal scenario, but it's probably not feasible in the current environment. I think what's more likely to happen, and this is some work that my group continues to work on, is that we put in place standard processes and give tools to the individuals that are conducting the screening so that they can do an effective job. So the kinds of tools that I'm thinking about are similar to the standard drug interaction screening tools that a lot of us are familiar with that would be adapted in specific ways to be used for this specific purpose. One of the ways that we are uh, adapting the tools is so that instead of screening all drugs against each other as a standard drug interaction screening tool would do, our tool would only screen the current or concomitant medications against the study agent to see if there's a potential interaction with the, the study agent. Also, because the individuals using this tool might not have medical training or might not have a lot of expertise in drug interactions, we are trying to customize the information that's returned by the tool so that it can be easily matched against the information that can be found in the protocol so the person conducting the screening can easily flag interactions of interest and elevate those to a pharmacist or an MD or the site PI for further evaluation. I'm curious, Dan, within SWOG or other uh, clinical research networks, uh, is there some uh, forward movement in uh, going in this direction? Yes, yeah, so our group is actually working with a commercial vendor who provides a drug interaction screening tool. We are moving forward towards adapting that tool for use specifically in clinical trial enrollment screening. And what we're doing right now is we are developing the prototype tool based on some of the feedback that we received from this survey and from our uh, data coordinators and um, our data managers and our research coordinators. And we are developing this prototype, and we hope to prospectively test it first in a small pilot study and then in a larger study across SWOG to see whether the use of that tool can uh, to see whether the use of that tool can effectively identify drug interactions that can be resolved prior to patient enrollment. Mm -hmm. Oh, very interesting. Are there uh, other types of uh, research that you would like to see done uh, on this particular issue? So I think that there are some standards that could be put in place in terms of what information goes in the protocol and where that goes, and that would be very helpful. I think the research that we're doing to 
develop this tool and prospectively test it will be really instrumental. And I think once we have a tool that we've shown is effective at conducting drug interaction screening, the next steps of research would just be to expand the use of that to other cooperative groups to see if it works across cooperative groups, to other industry trials, and then to other therapeutic areas. There's no reason that the tool that we developed for SWOG for oncology clinical trial enrollment can't be generalized to other cooperative groups and to other therapeutic areas. And this really could be a tool that's useful across the uh, clinical trial community to make sure that the patients that are being enrolled on clinical studies are being enrolled safely and are going to experience the efficacy that we would like so that patients being enrolled on clinical trials can be treated safely and can experience treatment efficacy, and so that the information that we collect on the clinical study is an accurate estimation of the safety and benefit of the study agent. Well, Dan, uh, thank you very much for uh, discussing with uh, AGHP Voices listeners uh, your important survey research here. Let's turn now to Dr. Susan Gooden, who has written an AJHP editorial about the study we've just discussed. Susan, you comment in your editorial about how medication-related exclusion criteria can result in an insufficient number of patients recruited for an oncology clinical trial. Could you elaborate on the significance of that point? Uh, Sure. So we know that Enrollment on the clinical trials is critical for us to complete trials in a timely fashion, and we know that less than 3% of patients uh, enroll onto cancer clinical trials. So it's important that we understand and more important that we are appropriate in evaluating eligibility. More than 50% of the trials have drug-related exclusion criteria. And so when we start thinking about cancer patients that are on seven to 10 different medications, we can see very quickly that when we're evaluating a cancer patient for a clinical trial, many of these patients may become ineligible simply due to a drug interaction that may be correctly assessed or what I think oftentimes may occur incorrectly assessed, or even more importantly, a medication can be changed so that a patient could become eligible for that clinical trial. The second point about that is we know that for cancer patients, oftentimes the best treatment available is enrollment on a clinical trial. But we're oftentimes excluding patients because of a lack of understanding or or because of not appropriately assessing those potential medication-related exclusion criteria. I see. Well, Susan, you make a very strong statement in your editorial about the need for pharmacist participation in assessing the eligibility of patients for clinical trials. And I'm curious, what groups or individuals do you intend to influence by this advocacy? Well, having a pharmacist involved in assessing eligibility criteria for patients uh, enrolling on clinical trials has been something I've advocated for since the beginning of my career. So I've certainly in my own practice, I've written about this, and I think who do we need to influence? Well, certainly uh, our health systems, the folks that create policy within health systems, ASHP. In my mind, the definitive group that helps establish and set policy for pharmacy practice within our health systems. 
there are certainly policy and statements by ASHP about the role of pharmacists in clinical trials, and I think we need to go a step further. Um, we have well-qualified pharmacists who can help assess patients for eligibility, drug interactions. Um, and as I said in my editorial, in assessing a patient for any drug therapy, in general, off of a clinical trial, we're still assessing their eligibility, where their mm-hmm. eligibility to receive that therapy. So why wouldn't a pharmacist be involved in our clinical trials? So as far as the the advocacy, I certainly believe this is an area where ASHP and uh, oncology-specific area, HOPA, could take this on as a process that we must always include our pharmacists in assessment for eligibility for clinical trials. Susan, I sort of infer from your comments that um, another target for this advocacy might be those clinicians, uh, researchers who are designing clinical trials. Would that be correct? Absolutely. And we all know that everything in healthcare is done as a team. And that team includes our colleagues and many of ourselves who are writing clinical trials, who are developing these clinical trials, both in their health systems. And I think the other group that we have to keep in mind here is the uh, pharmaceutical industry. You know, it would be certainly an imposition in some places where a pharmacist must sign off on eligibility criteria whether it be by a physician group who's running clinical trials or in those designing the clinical trials, it's going to be really important that they all hear this message and all understand the value that a pharmacist can bring to their clinical trials. Mm -hmm. Well, Susan, thank you very much for taking a moment to uh, comment on this uh, extremely important issue. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices. This program has been about an AJHP article dealing with drug interaction screening in oncology trials. Thank you for listening. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit www.ajhp.org.